Black Tree Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black Tree Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. What's going on? <laughs> I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And welcome back to Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show, welcome, babe, and hello. Hey, come on in. Enjoy the show. You know, kick your shoes off. You know. Today, I'm super, super excited for this case, and you guys should be too. If you've seen the title of it, you may not know what we're talking about. Kristen doesn't. She's completely confused. She even looked at the pictures for the case already and still doesn't know what the fuck. So. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I've looked at okay. the first three, right? mm-hmm. so okay. I don't know okay. much. Yeah, don't, don't spoil it. I'm not okay. going to say anything. Cool. Alrighty, but before we get started, I do want to say yesterday, as in we're recording this yesterday, was National Women's Day. That's pretty dope. So shout out to all the women out there that be listening to our show. We love you. Happy International Women's Day. I did nothing Mm -hmm. to treat myself, and I should have. We'll fix it. You you still have time, sister. Mm -hmm. And another thing, if you are in the Blue Ash, Ohio area, you have to hit up our girl, Nadia, to get your lashes done. If that's like something you're into, it's something I'm definitely into. And she'd be going off. She's been licensed for seven years. So, you know, check her out. Her Instagram is at Nadia Lashin underscore out. And I'll put her Instagram handle in the description of this episode. So, yeah. And I wasn't even into lashes, but I tried them out once and I kind of fell in love. So even if you're not into them or you don't think you are, try them. Try it. Kristen, and who got you on lashes? I don't know. (sighs) Just like your father. <laughs> Kayla got me on lashes, y'all. <laughs> Give credit where credit is due. So are you ready to get started, Kayla. sister? Let's get into it. Okay. In 1997, one of America's favorite TV dads lost his only son to a seemingly random but violent act. The world watched as the famous family grieved and tried to make sense of something so tragic and unexpected. Who would do something like this? And why did it have to be him? Join us as we discuss the publicized murder of Ennis Cosby. O-M-G. Now it all (laughs) makes sense. There you go, sister. (laughs) I'm shocked. Okay, I'm so excited for this now because I'm like, I didn't even know that Bill Cosby had a son who died. Crazy, Kristen crazy had no idea it was before our we were like literally like two years old i was two when it happened so crazy wow we're gonna get into it we're gonna get into it ennis william cosby was born on april 15th 1969 in los angeles california Kristen, what happened in black history in 1969 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay you guys We're here in L.A. It's giving everything that we want. It's giving (laughs) 70s 
summer utopia, at least for the white people back then. <laughs> um, so let's just straight, let's just dive straight in. So I did some research and basically Hollywood is the reason why LA was set up to be like this summer utopia for young people. However, no one was talking about the growing population of black folks, Mexican folks, Asians, and all of that in LA as well. And they were treated so nicely. Of course not. This time was a perfect time for protests to be going on. There were so many civil radical groups at that time that basically were fighting for freedom of speech, non-racism, mm. but more than just racism. It was the LGBTQ community. It was political committees and political movements. Everything was rising up in the same time in LA. So LGBTQ activists coordinated with young youth activists in protests. One of them was the protests against police dragnets, which are basically police crusades where they go and they try to pick up different types of folks. Criminals wow. is what they see them as. Even at this protest, when they were protesting police dragnets, they were mm -hmm. chanting free Huey. And for those of us who don't know, Huey is, I think, Huey Newton. And he was a co-founder of the Black Panther Party back then. Oh. So Black Panther Party was founded in Oakland, California in 1968, I believe. So oh. this is prime time for the BPP to be lit <laughs> in California. During this time in the 60s in L.A., the political agenda was racism. OK, mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. were trying to fight it. But the mayor at the time, Sam Yorty, he was very known for being prejudiced and racist. Now, 1969 is also when Tom Bradley, a Democratic black man, decided to run for mayor. Mm -hmm. And he almost won. Tom Bradley was winning in the polls up until election eve, where then freaking Sam Yorty decided to counterattack with some racist agenda where he was telling everybody in L.A., like, if you vote Tom Bradley in, you will have black nationalists popping up everywhere in your streets, in your neighborhood, in your grocery stores, yelling at you. So right. be aware. And then boom, right. Sam, you already he won wins. that election. That but shit don't, makes me sick. I was going to say, but don't be dismayed because Tom Bradley, foreshadow, he actually ends up becoming mayor of L.A. And he served as the first and only black mayor of L.A. serving for 20 years. He served wow. a very long time and he served longer than any other mayor of L.A. If you want to learn more about Tom Bradley and his race for mayor election, check out our Black History segment on TikTok. Dope. And I will remember to post it this time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, sister, for that trip down history lane. You got it. Okay. So, Ennis William Cosby, born in 1969, Los Angeles, California. He was born to parents Camille and Bill Cosby and was one of five children. And he was the only boy, as Aww. we said in the intro which is really sad now that we know you know what happens and this didn't stay in la his whole life though he was raised in pennsylvania and new york and southern california and he went to a private boarding school in philly where he played basketball football lacrosse and he ran track too dang Ennis. Kristen, did you see him and this looks like he was a physical specimen like he, he looked athletic totally looks like an athlete oh adorable you know even though he was really, really good at sports, so he struggled academically in school. It wasn't until he got to Morehouse College, shout out to Morehouse, shout out to Atlanta, that's where my man is from, when a friend suggested that he get tested, 
that he actually found out that he had dyslexia. So his learning disability caused friction between him and his parents because they were more, they were more on the side of maybe he's not trying, you know, or maybe there's just something that he doesn't necessarily want to do when it comes to school. And because they were both academically successful, they were just probably harder on him. That's the vibe that I was getting from what I read. And if you guys remember from the Cosby show, Theo struggled in school and was diagnosed with dyslexia too. So it's easy to see that the role of Theo was obviously inspired by Ennis. Ennis. Yeah. That's so sweet. I thought that was pretty dope because I damn sure didn't know anything about any of that when I was watching the show. And Theo did mad sports too. Yeah. Not that I'm thinking Oh gosh, about Kristen, he was super athletic. Super athletic. <laughs> super cute. Wow. wow. Thank you for that. Cool. Pretty cool. But despite his diagnosis, and this, please. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys aren't on Patreon, Kristen just winked at me. It was <laughs> gross. Okay. I didn't think he was going to get it. Okay. <laughs> but despite his diagnosis, Ennis was determined to overcome it, okay? So he left Morehouse and spent a summer at Landmark College in Vermont, which is a college that offers intensive academic training for students with learning disabilities, okay. which I've never heard of. And I think that's really, really cool that it exists. The amount of research someone would have to do to find that is pretty intense. Especially like you have to be. You didn't have computers. Well, yeah, I don't know. 19, Kayla, what, what, what year is this? 1990. Yeah, 1990s. Yeah. Okay. I don't think there was a I don't know. came out in 98. Kristen, I don't know. Either way, he returned to Morehouse after he finished that summer at Landmark in the fall and brought his GPA up from 2.3 to a 3.5. Dang! (laughs) That's hard to do. I am applauding him out of the bottom of my heart. I know what it's like to try to bring up your GPA. It ain't easy. Yeah. No, it's not easy. I graduated college with like a 2.5. I was to say, like, he must have got straight A's as soon as he came back. As soon as he came back. And it automatically put him on the dean's list. So going from, you know, struggling so much to succeeding. I'm getting goosebumps. Kayla, I love it. Can I say that he is fine? Kristen, I was waiting for you to say it. He is fine. Good <laughs> stock. Good stock. <laughs> okay. Yes. Look at Bill. (laughs) I I don't want to fucking talk about it. Okay. So he was even tutoring other students like elementary and high schoolers. And in 1992, he graduated from Morehouse College with his bachelor's and then graduated from Columbia University Ah! with his master's in special education in 1995. I'm here for him. I'm 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 obsessed with him. Are you joking? Black man. Like he went from being dyslexic to now having his college degree to now having a master's degree and he got his master's degree from an Ivy League. Shut up. And is still dyslexic because you don't just not become dyslexic anymore. And by 1997, he was back at Columbia studying for his PhD. Who (laughs) is he? Bill Cosby's son. I'm upset. But also. Also, outside of that, determined. I mean, yeah, because yeah, I'm like he's paving ox. his own way. Yeah, he's working because none of this is just being handed to him. That shit's hard. Kayla, oh my god, I'm gonna cry. Don't, please don't. 
Another amazing thing about Ennis is that he didn't like to tell people who his dad was. So he wasn't even that type of annoying. Good. Yeah. You know, yeah. he didn't want special treatment. And when people asked like, oh, what does your dad do for work? He would just say he's in business. Whole time. He's a whole actor. <laughs> and if, if anyone thought to put two and two together and looked at him because Kristen looked at the pictures and she said, hey, the guy in the photos with Ennis looks like Bill Cosby. She didn't even put it together, y'all. No, I didn't. <laughs> so maybe, <laughs> so maybe the other people. But it's because I don't know too. celebrities like that. So I always second guess myself with celebrities. I'll be like, that's I true. think that's that person. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know who they, they are. They don't pay my bills. Exactly. So at the time of his death, he was pursuing his doctorate in special education and planned to open a school for children with learning disabilities. Because he had a heart of gold. This is the type of person who will be running for a political, like, yeah, you know, thinking mm-hmm. that he's going to make good in the world, but then finding out, oh, this is shit. <laughs> and I went out because he has such a genuine seeming heart. I read that he once wrote, quote, the happiest day of my life occurred when I found out I was dyslexic. I believe that life is finding solutions and the worst feeling to me is confusion. End mm. quote. Which I'm like, he probably was feeling so confused being For dyslexic. Years. years. I remember in school, I used to cry if I didn't understand something. Oh, honey. I used to get so fucking frustrated. I would literally sit there and cry. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. how I was with uh, geometry. Geometry had me in a chokehold, bitch. <laughs> I barely got out of there alive. Okay. <laughs> And now here comes the sad stuff. So do you just want to take a little break, sister? Yes, Would you like I need to a take drink. a break. Okay, we'll take a break. <laughs> so it's January 16th, 1997. Ennis is on winter break from work and school and is visiting LA at the time. So according to reports, he was visiting some friends in town because, you know, he's hop skipped from all over. And after hanging out with some friends for the evening, Ennis started heading to another location because he was about to meet up with another friend, period. Ooh, he's popular. Kristen, he's 27. He's living his life. He's Apparently, fine. He, they're all about to say, there you go. He has some stops to make. Like back he, then, <laughs> you didn't need a fade to be cute. You was just cute. <laughs> Nappy headed at all. Okay. And I'm yeah. here for it. Yes. He was driving north on I-405 through Sepulveda Pass. Sorry, Mm -hmm. y'all. Cali people, let me know how to say that. And it was around 1 a.m. And he had to pull off of the freeway onto Skirball Center Drive because something was wrong with one of his tires on his Mercedes. And he was driving a nice Mercedes. It was worth $130,000. So. (laughs) Was it a gift? I don't know. I don't know what type of money he got, but his parents got money, so I ain't pocket watching. Good for him. Dang, Ennis. Mm-hmm, Ennis. Ennis got out of his car to start changing the tire when he was approached by someone. Within yeah. less than a... Okay. Yes? <sighs> okay. Sorry. Within less than a minute, Ennis would be shot in the head by this person and left for dead. There was a woman who happened to be driving by at the time and approached Ennis to help him and then called 911. So we're going to learn more about that woman. It wasn't just a random woman. I'll tell you guys that now. A part of what she ended up telling police was that she saw a white man near the scene when she pulled her car up behind Ennis. So just remember that. We'll come back to it. 
But unfortunately, Ennis was pronounced dead at the scene from the gunshot wound to his temple. He was shot in the temple. And because everyone knows who Ennis is, every reporter, news team, satellite truck bitch in the area was there at the scene. And before police could actually cover up Ennis's body, they were able to take pictures from their like helicopters. Da- like, damn. Like, how are you? Where were you mm-hmm. at, police officers, for the freaking reporters be able to get there before y'all? So the police got there before the reporters did. They just didn't have time to, like, cover the view from the top. And if you're on Patreon, you're actually going to see the pictures that I was able to find, unfortunately. They're really sad. He looks so, like, calm and just... <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. I mean, there's no dignity in dying. So anybody who wants to freaking die or who wants to kill somebody, like you really need to think twice. This shit with your soul. Yeah. And I'm looking it, at your body and up. it just makes me like, literally, I have goosebumps. I want to cry. Yeah, it's really, really sad. But if you're not on Patreon, I'm just going to kind of describe it he was found on the driver's side of his car the door was already closed and he was still holding a pack of cigarettes in his hand which is just just makes it really real the police commander quickly addressed the public and told them that they were looking for a male white suspect they said that they suspected the attack was initially a robbery although there was nothing missing from ennis's car but we all know like People sometimes do that shit. If you kill someone when you mean to rob them, you're going to try to get the fuck out of Dodge as soon as possible. That's probably what happened here. I think it's a setup. You think it's a setup, sister? Heck yeah. He was driving on the freeway at one o'clock in the morning and then he pulls over to check his tire and he gets popped. Somebody was following him. (sighs) Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, the commander also added that Ennis may have been followed by his killer and could have possibly... And could have possibly made a phone call before being shot. So we're going to get to all that. The media lost their minds, obviously. The nation was essentially grieving with the Cosby family. And speaking of them, they were understandably devastated by what happened. And apparently police were trying to get a hold of Bill to let him know what happened to his son. But when they asked like close friends of Bill, they wouldn't give him the number. Which I kind of understand because it could be like a clout thing or he's such a high, you know, fucking celebrity. You just don't want to give out his information. So they ended up having to contact CBS, the network that the Cosby show was being filmed on. And they told him while he was on set. Mm. So it was really sad. And they told him that they didn't think that he should travel to L.A. because this was in New York. But he did it anyway. He's like, my son just died. Are you fucking stupid? Are you joking? Right. Bill was quoted to have said that, quote, he was my hero, talking about Ennis. Yeah, <laughs> so, he was a better man than you probably could ever be, Bill. In any lifetime. That was his only son, so I know he felt, you know, terrible. And despite what Bill has or has not done, that is fucking sad. And Ennis didn't deserve to die. And I pray so rest to in peace, Ennis. God, Ennis did not have to die because of somebody else's mistakes, specifically right. his father's. Right. Rest in peace, Ennis. Rest in peace. Kristen, you're like saying things that you feel. Yeah. It's interesting. We might get to, we might get to, yeah, we might get to some of that. So the police would later learn that Ennis was on his way to meet a friend named Stephanie Crane when he got the flat tire. He called her. So that's the 
I'm assuming that's the call that they're talking about. So maybe he had a car phone because, you know, they did have those type of things at the time. I don't know, bitch. I was two years old, 97. And that is the person that called 911 for help. But she saw a lot more, like I said, than she initially told police. So apparently, go ahead. You said he called Stephanie. Yes. Stephanie rolled up? Yes. Well, Stephanie was the white woman who rolled up. We don't know if she's white. We didn't say she was white. We didn't identify. (laughs) Right. So Stephanie was the girl who rolled up in the car. Correct. The one that called for help. Okay. You're following well, Kristen. I'm proud. So apparently Stephanie was present for part of the murder. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm about to tell you. As a matter of fact, she was in her car parked behind Ennis with her headlights like focused on him so he could see what he was doing to change his tire. Then she said a man came to her car window and threatened to kill her. Like the man said, you know, like, let me in or I'm going to kill you. And so she was scared and she just drove away, immediately just drove away. And then she said when she came back a few minutes later, she saw Ennis dead on the ground. That makes zero sense. And I'm over her. Wow. Okay, sister. I'm over her. First of all, you were there. You left Ennis because a guy mm-hmm. came to your car vehicle and said, I'm going to kill you, bitch. Let me in. And so you just drove off and left mm-hmm. like that. Well, if he's like, if what? he pointed the gun at her, maybe. Right. I'm like, like if he pointed the gun at her and she had the balls to drive off bold. OK. But at the same time, why would you leave your friend there? For me, maybe. I don't know what the situation looked like. I don't know if exactly how far her car was parked back because I'm thinking if she is freaked out by what this man is saying to her through her car window, Ennis must have heard the guy. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, so I don't know how that situation went down the conversation or whatever. And we never really find out, but I don't know who knows how you would react in a dangerous ass situation like that. I don't know, but it's sketchy. It's a sketch. Okay. Well, there's a lot to come. Just hold on. She gave police a description of the killer and they put together a composite sketch. They released the sketch and the National Enquirer appealed to the public and offered a $100,000 reward leading to the arrest of Ennis' killer. So there was like a $15,000 reward from the Los Angeles Times. There was just like a lot of different things. Now I want you to take a look at that composite sketch. I mean, he looks like anybody. Mm-hmm. Literally anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Half of his features are covered up with a freaking hat. Right. Okay. So there is a hat in there. All righty. It the wasn't hat, Kayla. You're baiting me. And I don't like it. I'm not trying to bait you, beach. I'm just trying to let you know there's a lot of pieces going on into this. Okay. Okay. It wasn't too long until a man named Chris So contacted investigators with information about Ennis's killer. Chris claimed that an 18 year old named Mc. Mikhail, I, I, I've been calling him Mikhail. I'll switch between those. Mikhail Markasov was the killer and that he knew this because Mikhail, he and another guy went looking for the murder weapon in a wooded area a few days after Ennis's death. He even said that Mikhail admitted to shooting a black man and he said it was like a famous black man. The three men didn't find the murder weapon, but after searching that area later, police did. What the heck? Mm-hmm. It was a 38 caliber weapon and it was wrapped in a knit cap. And I think a knit cap is 
the beanie type of thing that was in the composite sketch. Mm-hmm. And Stephanie would later confirm that the shooter was wearing a cap just like it. Because remember, she has already given them the description of what mm-hmm. the killer looked like. Mm-hmm. And he was wearing a beanie. So police felt that they had enough evidence to make an arrest. So they arrested Mikhail for the murder of Ennis Cosby in March of 1997. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to say? No, I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm taking mental notes of everything. I need to know what happens next. Go. Great. Now, you may be wondering, who the hell is Mikhail? He just literally came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Well, Mikhail was born in the Ukraine, but immigrated to the States in 1989 with his mother when he was just nine or 10 years old. And this was after his parents divorced like a year before that. During elementary school, he did great in school. He learned English super quickly, which earned him a seat in the English honors class. And even though he was Ukrainian with a Ukrainian accent, he soon lost it and adopted like a Spanish one, (laughs) like a Hispanic accent. And, you know, he's living in L.A. Like it's very Hispanic in L.A. So I it probably just happened, you know, Chicano. Chicanos. Chris, what do you know? Oh, my God. Anyway, you're ridiculous. Anyway, (laughs) everyone that the L.A. Times interviewed about Mikhail from his past said nothing but good things about him. Well, you know, most people. Especially his teachers. In elementary school and middle school, he made all A's and B's and had perfect attendance. They said the most he would do was like talk out of turn, which is like, you know, all kids do that. What do you expect? Literally, all kids do that. And this is around the time that I was thinking, well, what part of LA was he in? Because there's a lot of different parts. And some parts you don't, if you're not from there, you just don't go there. Yeah. But he was living in Los Alamitos, which at the time had among the best school districts in the whole state, along with a well below average crime rate. So I'm thinking, how? Town. <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay. Well, saying. I was, yeah, out uppity, you know, safer. Suburbs. Definitely. I was thinking after that, like, okay, what attracted him to the streets? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's obvious that he's not necessarily in being shown them or in them. People close to him said that he was built to be a leader, but he chose to follow instead. And he was more concerned. And he was more concerned with making friends and people thinking he was cool than anything else. This is insane. insane. I am genuinely shook. And the (laughs) fact that you have so much background on this supposed killer, Mm -hmm. like you're foreshadowing, you don't even know it. Well, he is being accused of killing a very famous, you know, person's child. So, mm-hmm. so people are going to dive into his life, even Kristen, if he's c- not the killer yet. They're going to dig up every bone they can. Mm-hmm. So when he got to high school, he was still making good grades. He was taking Spanish and his, you know, that honor English class. And he was playing on the freshman football team as a wide receiver. Period. He even had a, there you go. He even had a nickname from the kids at his school and they called him Skippy. So, you know, he has friends. People like him. But something else started to happen. Some of his old classmates noted how chill he was and how nice he seemed. One girl said that, quote, he never seemed like he had an attitude. Like some guys are so worried about being cool. But other people saw something else in Mikhail. One classmate said, quote, he just thought he was a little white boy who wanted to be a cholo. He was a wannabe. He wanted to be a gang member, end quote. So I'm like, that's two different, very, very different. two different opinions. But, but honestly, one- if you went to my 
several high schools and ask mm-hmm. one person in one class about me and another yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, which one can I cut up in? Like, I figure that out as I go type thing. That's true. It depends on what time of day it is, too, because mm-hmm. I might be pissed in certain parts, you know, mm-hmm. who knows. But one thing was true. Mikhail did start hanging out with a Latino gang and had a new nickname now. Now he went by Pee Wee. And it's spelled <laughs> and it's spelled P W E E. So I thought I liked it. I don't know. I thought it was I liked it. Pee Wee. We know a Pee Wee. Yeah. Long way. I mean, long way. It, I was about to say it reminds me of Pee Wee Long Way. <laughs> I like how he spelled it. And then things really started to change in Mikhail. He started to get in more trouble at school, started talking too much, and that sent him to detention, and then fighting, tagging school property with graffiti, and drug possession got him suspended from school twice. So it's it's really definitely turned. And yeah. I can understand getting older and hanging out with different people. I fucking did it. But bitch, I'm not going to jail. Like, I'm not going to get suspended for your ass. Yeah, like, I'm going to be smart gonna about what I'm doing. But guys don't tend to do that. They don't. He then started hanging out in an alley every day with his little friends, namely a guy named Eli and a girl named Sarah. And there was a woman who had her bedroom window like right over the alley. Her name is Kathleen Bias. And she said that from what she'd seen, she felt that Mikhail was the follower and not the leader of the group and seemed to be more quiet and respectful than the others. Hmm. And I'm like, so this is what you got from watching them from the window. <laughs> but you you can get that. a lot from watching somebody from the window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, because she does some shit later. So What the heck, Kayla? I know. So at this point, it's 1995. Mikhail is 15 or 16, but his mom is desperate to get him away from the bad influence type of situation in Los Alamitos. So she moved him to Encino where he enrolled at Rosada Reseda High mm-hmm. School for 10th grade, but was only there for a few months because he ended up serving a six month stint in juvie for Dang. an offense police didn't share with the public. So, you know, he was a juvenile His records probably sealed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't released after his release from juvie. He never returned to school. And in 1997, at the time of the murder, he was still hanging out in that alley and still hanging out with those same two friends, Eli and Sarah. Hmm. A previous teacher at his school was quoted to say, quote, somehow we failed him. He was doing extremely well in school. I really feel bad. He did what he did because something permanent in his life was lacking. We, meaning society, the schools, parents, do the best we can during the time we have them. There comes a time when you have to open up your hands and let them fly away and just hope that they don't dive bomb and crash. Mm, End quote. Vulgar. Very visual. You know, it's real shit, though. And true. Yeah. Real shit. Okay, so 18-year-old Mikhail, first of all, why don't you take a look at him, Grizzle? Why don't you go ahead and... Let me see Mikhail. Ooh, hold on. Okay. I knew this was going to come. <laughs> One thing Chris is going to do, y'all, is be honest. Ooh, look at him. What's a giving? He's cute. <laughs> he has a mischievousness in his eyes. Like, mm-hmm. like, he gives me the look of, I searched for this. I wasn't born in this. If mm. that makes sense. It's, it's giving, I like this. 
I want this. Yeah. It's giving like, I am probably a leader, but right now I'm trying to learn the game. Right. So then because maybe potentially I could lead in the game. Right. Like follower because I want to. Because like I he seems to. very fucking smart, very cunning, very dark. Like it just seems like right now he could just be potentially playing a role until he's right. ready to break out. So 18 year old Mikhail has been arrested for the murder of Ennis, but although he's been writing letters to fellow inmates implicating himself in Ennis's murder, he is still claiming he's not guilty. And so we're going to fucking trial. So he's, he's been weird. writing, he's been writing to inmates. Trying to like puff up his chest, probably Mm -hmm. preparing to be an inmate for a long time and wants Mm -hmm. to get in, you know, with the crowd that he thinks is cool. Still, because he's still a fucking kid. So at trial, some of the damning evidence police used was not only the ballistics from the gun that they found, thanks to Chris, but they also used hair strands found in the cap that the gun was wrapped in. And those hairs were found to be identical to Mikhail's. So oh, it's 1997. Snap. I'm not sure if they conclusively say like these are his hairs, but in what I was reading, they were like, th- those were his hair. Right. They also had Stephanie testify to what she saw on that day. And her testimony was actually really, really important to the timeline and just everything, basically placing Mikhail there. Mm-hmm. So here's the full picture that prosecutors painted for what happened the night Ennis died. Mikhail and two of his friends, Eli Zachariah and Sarah Peters, we've already talked about them, were partying that night and planned to rob a drug connection. So I guess a plug. I read that they were heading to a payphone to call for a ride when they passed by Ennis. But when they weren't able to get a ride, Mikhail went back to Ennis, tried to rob Stephanie first, but she drove off and then he tried to rob Ennis. But apparently Ennis was moving too slowly when like pulling out his money. So Mikhail just shot him. Just ridiculous. <sighs> Completely ridiculous. I mean, like. And senseless. Like, what? Are you stupid? I don't, I don't get it. Don't get like, it. this is like the senseless killing I'd be talking about. There's no point. There's no reason. And people are just so desensitized to what life really means. And even if they aren't desensitized, it's just such a selfish thing to take somebody's life. If it's not to protect your own. It's completely selfish, along with a bunch of other fucking horrible words. Right. The three then went and disposed of the gun in the wooded area it was later found in. The prosecution also read some of those jailhouse letters he was writing to his little inmate friend. So let's read a little bit of what it said. One of them read, quote, I shot the N-word with the hard R. I will fucking spin your face. I went to rob a drug connection and obviously found someone else. They got a lot on me. The gun, a beanie, other witnesses, and then it goes on, but I don't have that information, which I fucking wish I did. Mm -hmm. They also played a tape recording they'd gotten from a, they like put a wire on one of his friends and he was talking big and bad and he was saying, quote, I'm the one doing the dope home. With the fucking rat, you either kill him or you leave him alone, dog. You know what fucking time it is, baby? Kayla, stop. (laughs) (laughs) This is how he's talking? I don't know. That's how I pictured it. I pictured it really, like, forced and sad and creepy and weird and makes me think his hands are clammy. Like, that's how I think he's saying it. 
but then you we are still talking people. about a textbook white person no shade right. obviously but he's not hispanic he's not any of this what he's trying to pull off like come on he's corny that's he's what corny he is. as hell Kristen. Corny like as don't hell. call my people no n-word you're not even from here you don't get to come over here and assimilate and, and culturally no. appropriate somebody else's culture and then talk about another person's culture by calling them the n-word you don't get to do that yeah part of me feels like him even saying the n-word with the hard r you know in the letter was him trying to appeal to maybe the ab you know Aryan Brotherhood in the pen. So he wasn't mm-hmm. going to be with the Hispanics because it's very clear he's not Hispanic. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that he was probably trying to like get on their cool side and make them his buddies and protect Like he's whatever. just a switch up. What are we going to say? He doesn't know who he is and he's a sad little kid. 24 mm-hmm. year old Eli and 22 year old Sarah were both facing burglary and theft charges in an unrelated case. So worried that their credibility would have been just like put to shit prosecutors didn't even call them to the stand Mm. and then they had another witness who refused to even testify because he said that if he did his life would literally be taken away from him he told them i will be killed if i testify and the court even had him in contempt and he still was like fuck that wow so i think he had to spend some time in jail for that and I couldn't find anything about Eli and Sarah, which is really weird. I don't know if they were charged alongside him or if they received any jail time for being present and getting rid of the gun. I couldn't find anything. If you guys find anything or heard anything, you know, around the time, let us know. Let us know. So the defense basically focused on discrediting the witnesses' evidence. They suggested that Chris's testimony was completely false and he only contacted police because he wanted the reward money. I could see that, but he knew where the gun was. But he so knew how, where the gun was. So, right. Chris was on Chris was on probation for an embezzlement charge at the time and had received $40,000 of the reward money already, and once Mikhail was convicted, he would receive the other 60,000. Mm-hmm. So that's what they're saying. They're They're basically saying he's really, really trying to get him convicted so he can get the rest of the money. Mm -mm. (laughs) I get it, but like not the time. They also made it a point to say, yeah, maybe Stephanie saw the killer, but she couldn't pick out the killer in a lineup, meaning her client. She couldn't pick him out of a lineup. But could you live with yourself knowing that I did something to save my life, but not my friend's life? No, I could not live with myself. And I'm sure she deals with that, but it's not for us to say. You know, if she didn't have anything directly to do with his his death, then, you know, it's her guilt to have. Hard. Mm-hmm. The defense argued that Eli was, in fact, the murderer. And I couldn't find out what evidence they brought to support this. And everything that I read said that there was basically no evidence. And they did have someone that testified kind of that there may have been some validity to this claim. And it was that Kathleen chick, the one that has that bedroom right over the alley. The peeping, the peeping Molly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The peeping Pam. Peeping Polly. Peeping Polly. She testified that on the night of the murder, they were hanging out in that alley a couple hours before. And she said, Eli was quote, frantic and out of control. He was acting really weird, moving fast, just out of control he appeared to be messy he didn't have shoes on his pant legs were rolled up it was january he looked out of place mm. hmm. 
And I'm like, maybe they were on drugs because they also suggested that maybe Mikhail was on drugs when he just called off and shot Ennis for no reason. Mm-hmm. So it's possible. It's possible. On the other hand, she said Mikhail was fully clothed and, quote, appeared normal. Okay, maybe this 38 year old woman has a crush. I don't know. Because I'm like, say, she's, well, she's coming to bat for Mikhail. Well, but then she said that he looked like he was, uh, what did she say? Trying too hard or. No, she said he looked like he was a follower. Yeah. Yeah, He looked like he was a follower. And that's probably true. Like, she's probably trying to make it seem like he's just an innocent kid. Like, he's the victim here. Right. And as I told you guys, 22 and 24-year-olds are hanging out with a 17, 18-year-old. You know, it probably was obvious that he may have been the younger one and therefore not a leader. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, and they also pointed out that there was no fingerprints on the gun. But Mikhail's hair is on the gun because Mikhail's hat is wrapped around the gun. Come on. Like, get with the fucking program. And what about those jailhouse letters, you may ask? Well, the defense said that they were forgeries written by another inmate. (laughs) (laughs) I am so over it. Goodbye, defense. It's giving really lazy work. A, hand, a handwriting expert testified and shut all that shit down. So that was just like pointless. The defense rested after only a day and a half. His mom even tried to help her son by lying on the stand and saying that he was helping her move at the time of the murder. Girl. And it's like, girl. It's like 1.30, 2 a.m. He's not helping you move, man. Don't perjure yourself trying to help this boy who didn't even want to help himself. Right. Don't get your ass sent to jail. Did she get sent the, to jail? No, I don't think she went to jail. But the prosecution was like, um, no, bitch, because you gave us a statement and you told us that he went out that night to go party. So don't lie now. I feel bad for the parents of people that do things like this because they're in a shit situation looking crazy because of their kid. And then you're trying to be a good parent and protect them, which is what you've tried to do all your lives, but you can't right. protect them anymore. You can't protect them, ma'am, especially when they're out there taking lives. You need to throw your child to the wolves. I'm really sorry. Like at this point, he needs to learn a lesson. Mm -hmm. Stan Goldman, a law professor at Loyola University, said about the trial overall, quote, I don't think either side is putting on the best case of their careers. I think the prosecution is so underplaying its case that it may have given the jury the impression that there's less than there really is. And the defense has missed some fairly obvious opportunities to bring home the points it has. You would think that such a high profile case would demand people to bring their A game. Right. And it's not apparently not. Right. Some of the Cosby family would be at the court every day listening to all of this. Their daughters, Aaron and Erica, were among the two that made sure they were there. Um, The parents didn't go, though. They only went on the sentencing day. I believe and the verdict day and then mikhail's mother grandmother and cousin would also attend in july of 1998 19 year old mikhail was found guilty of first degree murder and attempted robbery and at the request of the cosby family was sentenced to life without parole instead of the death penalty in august of 1998 wow very big of them if you're on patreon you just saw the videos of his smug ass smiling looking stupid and disrespectful and i i can't it really made my skin crawl because he doesn't look like he's phased at all at all i'm like is he an idiot Kayla? 
He's not an Kristen, idiot. he was he's not an idiot, but he was he's a narcissist. He was smiling at the camera when they were calling him a murderer when he was being transported away from the courthouse and he's smiling, lit, loving it. So fuck him. Which makes me feel like whether you were drugged up when you did it or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because you, you don't care this. about what you did. You love this fucking song. Yeah. Wow. And now it's time for the appeals. And everyone was preparing for the drawn out, horrible journey of going through all this stuff again. But Mikhail decided to take his fate into his own hands. On February 9th, 2001, he confessed to killing Ennis Cosby and withdrew the rest of his appeals. <laughs> like he, he wrote was a, himself up to be a jailbird. Like, <laughs> let me just get it how I live up in here. I've already I'm been prepping for this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm good. I don't need to be out. Like, it doesn't seem... The fact that he's not even upset that he's going to jail for the rest of his life pisses me off. Like, I want to feel some type of, like, ha-ha, but I don't even feel like he's going to give me that. You know? Nope. So he took his fate into his own hands. He withdrew his appeals and he wrote a letter to the deputy attorney general admitting his crime and apologizing to the Cosby family. The letter read in part, quote, although my appeal is in its beginning stages, I don't want to continue with it because it's based on falsehood and deceit. I am guilty and I want to do the right thing more than anything. I want to apologize to the victim's family. It is my duty as a Christian, and it's the least I can do after the great wickedness for which I am responsible. This is not about me, but about those whose lives I've marred. My motive is to at least try to mend the things which I've destroyed. End quote. He's just so manipulative, I could spit. It's just hard to know which side of him is the real him. Is it this letter? Is it him smiling in the courtroom? Is right. it him being really, really smart and getting good grades? Which mm-hmm. which one is it? Right. It's giving Gemini. <laughs> and I didn't look up his birthday. People are going to get so mad. People be commenting like, the Gemini slander. I won't tolerate it. But I'm like, I'm like, please. have you even met yourself? You know. I'm about to say, look Don't in the mirror me. for a second. Don't come for me. You know this all has basis. I'm not hating. I'm telling the truth. I'm telling you what I've experienced firsthand. Love Love you. you. Literally. (laughs) Love you. (laughs) Like, one of my closest friends is a Gemini. Yeah. Love her, but she's not. She's psycho. (laughs) So, he also asked in the letter that the Cosby family receive a copy of his notice of abandonment that he was filing with the court. So, he's like, I want them to, like, see that this is happening for sure. And the prosecution was really shocked. They said, quote, it's unusual, very unusual, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily unprecedented. But I've talked to other attorneys here and they said they've never had it happen in their experiences. So, Mm. hey, I'm glad that he did it because the family doesn't have to suffer and listen to his bullshit anymore. And our tax dollars dollars, won't go towards him. There you go. So. Rest in peace to Ennis. He was described by the people closest to him as the most friendly and outgoing guy and that he always greet you by saying, hello, friend. (laughs) Give me a hug right now. He's my type of guy. Kristen, literally, which became a permanent part of his legacy when in 1999, two years after his death, 
Bill Cosby created the TV show called Little Bill. And yeah, and you know Little Bill says, hey, fr- hello, friend. Mm-hmm. 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 I and used to love Little Bill. We did. His little doggone potato egg. <laughs> Just loved it. What? Yeah. And his parents even had the phrase put on a sign like near his grave. I'm crying. I know, right? Months after his death, Bill also released a jazz collection called Hello Friend to Ennis with Love. So maybe Ennis was like, I don't know, into jazz. I love that. And his family also created the Ennis William Cosby Foundation, whose purpose was to benefit programs focused on people with learning disabilities. Period. That is so sad. I can't even comprehend it. Like, this is a person who knew who he was, found himself, and was going to do something with his life. And then he gets it taken by a no good nobody who has no sense of who he is. Right, right, right. A kid. He gets his life taken by a kid. Just fucking terrible. So, but one more thing before we go. Remember at the top when you were talking about you hope he didn't lose his life because of someone else's mistake? Mm -hmm. Well, listen to this. So, apparently a woman named Jewel Starr, the aunt of an alleged illegitimate daughter of Bill, That woman's name is Autumn Jackson. So the aunt wrote a tell-all book called Cosby's Love Child. And according to the book, quote, Cosby might have had Ennis murdered because he had found out about me. Okay. What? So, yeah, listen to this. Two days after Ennis was murdered, Autumn Jackson was arrested for trying to extort $40 million from Bill Cosby in exchange for her silence about her allegedly being his kid two other people were arrested as well one was jose medina and another which was the alleged ringleader was a russian named boris saban now we know that mikhail identified more so with like hispanic people in la so there is a possibility that there's a connection there with jose and there were also rumors that he was associated with the mob now, which one? I don't know. Maybe the Russian mob. So maybe there's a connection there with the Boris guy. So maybe he was hired to take Ennis's life. You know, it's all speculation, obviously. And everyone's speculating as well as me. So in 2015, RadarOnline.com sent a letter to Mikhail asking him straight up, like, did you have anything to do with a murder for hire plot? To which 36-year-old Mikhail replied, quote, Ennis's only fault was in being in the path of a wicked idiot like myself. The senseless tragedy of his untimely death and the sacred sorrow experienced by his family is something that I hope you will never have to experience. And yet it happens daily in the world. As for Mr. Cosby, he showed me much mercy, which I didn't deserve. And I'm praying for him, for his family and all of the women, end quote. And I was like, oh, see, you see how fucking shady and how calculated he is with his fucking words, bitch. Talking about I'm praying for the women, too, because this was obviously after those allegations had already come out about him doing whatever he was doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why the fuck would you write that in in the freaking message about his son's death? Like, he's just really fucking gross. He's gross. Whatever. 
Bill's gross too, but he's also gross. Like Mikhail knows more than he's letting on. That's what I feel. And it's yes. just how you gonna say Bill gave me mercy, but also, you know, praying for the women that he potentially raped. Right. What? what? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's giving shade, bitch. It's giving straight up shade. And also someone, there was a private investigator that was hired to look into this even more. And he said that he feels Mikhail was not being as forthcoming as he could or as he should have been because he said he knows that when he sends out those letters or whatever, that the guards read them. So maybe he just didn't want to say as much as he wanted to in that message. So I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know. All I know is Mikhail pulled the trigger, you know? And I would hope that Cosby wouldn't knock off his own kid or any or anything like that. Or even I hope Autumn didn't have anything to do with and it's being knocked off. But you know what? Like now that you say something about that conspiracy and then that brings me back to the witness that did not want to testify because he said, yeah. I will lose my life. And I was right. thinking to myself, how is Mikhail that connected? He hangs out right. with two people in an alleyway mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you <laughs> take somebody's life just with a phone call. No. So maybe right. he is more connected than we know. Who knows, Kristen? Oh, my gosh. So Otto was found guilty of extortion and sentenced to 26 months in federal prison. And at the time of her sentencing, she was pregnant with twins. So after she gave birth, um, her then boyfriend, now husband, took care of the kids. After serving 14 months, her conviction was overturned and she was released from prison, but was still facing a retrial. Her conviction was later reinstated. And I'm not sure if she ended up going back to prison to serve the rest of her time i didn't find that Mm -hmm. and the craziest thing is autumn's mom tried to do something similar in the early 80s and 90s and even 2000s she even later claimed that after bill denied being the father of autumn that bill drug and raped her and that's how she became pregnant with autumn it's pretty fucking sick because i'm like people do so many horrible things for attention and in my opinion if it was true Justice should be the goal. It should be the goal, in my opinion. I would get his ass locked up and then I would sue his fucking estate and then get money. You know what I'm saying? But it's like women just straight go for, I'm going to sue him. If I was violated that way, like I want him to be violated in a similar way. And the best way to, <laughs> best way to make sure that, that possibly happens is send his ass to prison, his fresh booty hole to prison. So yeah. So that's our case. That is our case. It was a lot. And I told you guys it was going to be a lot, but I enjoyed it. And I really am excited to hear what you guys think about it. Like, it's about to be lit in the comments. I cannot wait. Do you think it's a conspiracy? Do you think it's a setup? Do you think it was just a random act of violence? Let us know. Let us know. So, (laughs) before we go, be safe, protect your peace, and protect your space. So we don't have to cover your case. Bye. Bye. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.